Stop that. Charlie. Stop it. Stop. What? Do you have any idea what you just did? Come on, we just made the deal of our lifetimes. We should celebrate. You just bet against the American economy. Fuck yeah, we did. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Which means, oh. which means, <laughs> if we're right, if we're right, people lose homes, people lose jobs, people lose retirement savings, people lose pensions. You know what I hate about fucking banking? It reduces people to numbers. Here's a number. Every 1% unemployment goes up, 40,000 people die. Did you know that? No. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. We were just excited. Just don't fucking dance. Surprise, we're back to bring you the world's most bullish podcast, the show that's unsponsorable, where the agenda writes itself and we're likely to be cancelled at any time quicker than you can share, like, subscribe and comment. This is Pod97 and as ever I'm joined with my fellow co-hosts, Mr. Allin, aka the Trillion Dollar Man, Sir, well, Dr. Evil 10%, aka the People's Champ, myself, Sir Neverlook, aka the Excellence of Execution, and finally, if the West's asking, tell them she's making an appearance in order to boost our fictitious ESG score, Mrs. No Show, aka Mrs. No Show. Still not here, of course, but in reality, she's never here. So please don't audit us on whatever's going on. So, uh, guys, how's it going? Yeah, good. We're almost up to the big century. I was wondering whether Mrs. No Show will turn up in um, three episodes time. Yeah, I mean, let, let's not let's not push her, but let's see if she turns up. Then that'll be what four four out of a hundred. Yeah, well, she's got, she got no clue. hundred's yeah. coming up. She's got no clue what number we're on. No. Well, not interested. I reckon one of the one of the listeners might give her a poke. I think that's um, illegal. (laughs) (laughs) I was just looking at the uh, the diary actually because I'm supposed to be away, but uh, that's on pod one hundred and one. So we'll we'll see. I I might be here. Oh, actually, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I'm away on pod one hundred as well. Oh, oh, oh pod, pod 100, you're away. Well, yeah. We're, we're going to have to delay that. <laughs> uh, depends what's happened. I'm sure you guys can do it, but uh, <laughs> I might be to dial it. I'll be with a uh, young MBA. Okay. 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 I, might, I might take the laptop and uh, and, the, and the microphone and we, we can do it. We can do it. Yeah, so it depends how good your internet is, wherever you're going. Yeah, I'll have to test that. If it's, if it's all right, I, I can jump on for a few hours. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like we might have resolved um, the future because it's a very important pod. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like Bitcoin mining, we need to continue no matter what. You know, you can rely on Bitcoin mining for every 10 minutes. Listeners and subscribers and viewers need to rely on us for each and every week to bring you the most, you know, cutting edge stories in the world of bitcoin you don't need to worry about anything and and that's how i feel that we are you know to the everyday person we're bringing them 
the stories that matter. Yeah. We, we, we spend hundreds of hours a week on Twitter to find the top 10 stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, troll Twitter all day, every day, so you don't have to. <laughs> I was going to say, you're just out there for the lols to um, argue with random people. Yeah, I've kind of been out of the streets a little bit of all that recently, but like, I do. I haven't seen, I'm seeing you say much on LinkedIn. Mm. Mm. Kind of got I mean, a lot. That's of the key reason. I, I was trying to responsible. Yeah, I was trying to tag you into um, a conversation this morning, but you didn't take the bait. Oh yeah, when which one was this? This was one about um, how Skipton Bills Society were amazing in giving. Um, zero oh. percent deposits and everyone's like great initiative john blah 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 and i was just like what do you mean this isn't about him doing any good yeah. it's about him making a fuckload of profits he knows when you offer zero percent mortgages you're gonna go boom up go the house fees up go and the interest rates are shooting up it's gonna be money city yeah i, th- I think you, you did a screenshot of that post i think if you'd have linked it I'd have definitely clicked the link and given him some yeah, shit. I'll have, to, I'll have to find it then and um, send yeah. the link. I remember seeing it. I, I was out literally today. I was making uh, a load of wood. I got a load of old fence posts and I'm trying to nail them all together to make an axe throwing board. <laughs> that's, what that's to what do I, with your time? Yeah, because <laughs> I went. I went axe. Throw, I got um, a voucher to go axe throwing for my birthday. Went the other day. Great fun. Just launch some axes at a load of wood. Just see if you can make it stick in. You're like, this is fucking proper caveman shit. I like this. So yeah. I'm like, I could put this together. I was looking at the wood. I'm like, asked him about the axes. I'm like, yeah, you can pick up an axe for like 50 quid. I'm like, okay. I got a load of wood out the back by the barn. So I started nailing it together. I'm going to order some axes and start throwing it at the wood. Why not? So yeah, so I was doing that, and, and you're trying to bait me into fucking LinkedIn arguments, and I'm reading it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna carry on naming this wood for now. <laughs> I haven't got time to argue with the CEO of fucking whatever bank it is. He's given out zero percent mortgage <laughs> mortgages yeah. with, with no deposit because he's such a good person. Yeah, he's trying to help the average person get off the rental like merry-go-round, isn't he? He's not doing it for profit. He's doing it because he's a fucking good guy. Yeah. I read it and every line just, you know, again, it's a, it's a Bitcoin. It just turns you such into a cynic, right? But every line just read, he's lying, he's lying, <laughs> he's lying. Yeah. Well, he's the CEO of a bank, so you can go to Verge. Because they're, they're just doing it, aren't they, right? It's, it's one of those where they would never be doing this. In, in this type of market, right, where the cost of living is going up, wages are going down. Redundancies are going up. Of course, like why? Why would you not take a deposit from people and just give the house completely on a mortgage, um, purely one hundred percent mortgage, where house prices are likely to go down significantly? So when these houses get reclaimed, they're going to be worth less than what the loan is. So the bank's going to be out of pocket. So what they're going to do do about that? They know what they're going to do about that. They're going to go to government and get a bailout. So yeah. they know they know that this is a bad business decision if they had to be accountable for the losses that are inevitable. But the fact is they're not going to be accountable. However many billions or trillions they lose, they're going to go to the government and go, you can't let the entire economy crash. You know, we're too big to fail. And they're going to get bailed out. But it's going to be amazing in three to six months' time. We're going to see 
ridiculous house prices. We thought we'd already seen it, but this isn't the top of the market. <laughs> We're discovering yeah. what the top of the market's going to be. And I'm going for a cheeky prediction, a 25% increase. What, in three months? Three to six months, because it's going to go fucking haywire. The thing is, as well, they won't be the only bank that will offer it as well. There'll be competitors in the market. So someone might even go back to the old school of 105% mortgage. So not only will we cover the mortgage and you don't have to put any deposit down, but it's a little extra for you to get that new sofa. Yeah. Landscape the garden, do whatever you want with it. You can even go on holiday if you want. Bigger TV. Yeah, oh, bigger gee. TV. Jesus. Christ. That was another thing that I, I I never even knew it was a thing when I was reading an article. It said they were giving up to 125% mortgages. Well, it was back in 2008. Out. Yeah. You go, what the actual fuck? Like, obviously, in 2008, they were giving 700% mortgages because they were giving you know, a stripper seven houses. Mortgage for like deposit free. Was that the UK or was that more US? That's, that's more US. Yeah, that's why they yeah. they collapse. But they weren't doing a lot of um, checks, so that they were doing very rudimental checks on people. And then you start to go to a different bank and they give you a mortgage and wouldn't even ask if you had a mortgage somewhere else. But it was just completely ridiculous. But to, yeah. but even in the UK, they were giving like from one bank, you would get one hundred twenty five percent. And you just think about. How much is like twenty five percent of a of a house on top, just as a because you're going to have think, that um, cash left over. You're just going to spend it on, on yeah, the house, on the new car, on a nice holiday. Yeah, it's come so reckless. It's it's unbelievably reckless. Let me add to that. So people from a property perspective, and and this is mad because I look back and think, wow, that was truly the golden era for them they were taking out these 125% mortgages. They were finding a house that was below market value. So it should have been at 100 grand, let's say, but the owner needed to get out and was happy to, for a quick sale, 80 grand. So already they were in profit by 20. They would take that out, the 125, and then they were able to remortgage the property the next day. So nowadays you need to wait at least six months unless you're on a special product. So without even doing anything, they were in even more profit and they would then take that, use it as the asset and then take the extra money and potentially put it down on a new house as well. So that's how they were just bankrolling themselves with the bank's money. It's crazy to think so looking at in figures, so 25%, what's that? So 2008, the average house price was 168,973. So that's 42 grand on that one. Now it's 288,000 as an average house price. So giving you 72,000. So yeah, it's just even bigger amounts now. Yes. Yeah. And, and unless you're doing that whole flicking the property thing and that's the thing like there's a small percentage of people that are doing that but the majority of people that get out the extra money is the average person you're talking about they just get 70 grand in their bank they, they ignore the fact they've just taken out a quarter of a million pound loan that they're gonna have to be paying back over 30 years or something they forget about the fact they've just inherited that and that a massive cumbersome of debt that obviously they're taking out a quarter of a million look at the total repayable it's probably closer to a million. So really you're taking out a million pound loan 
once you factor in interest, which again, people don't realize because no one ever calculates total payable. They go, oh, interest rates are going to be different. It's variable, super hard. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, they tell you that because if you looked at that bit of paper and it said one million pounds on it, total repayable, you fucking wouldn't sign it probably. Mm. But um, but yeah, the average person is going to get that 72 grand if they end up doing it, going that silly. And uh, what they're going to, they're just going to go nuts with it, aren't they? They ain't going to, because it's reckless to take any more than you need anyway. Um, but if, if you did, obviously it's a good percentage probably. That's why probably people do it. But then it's a good percentage on money that you don't need. So it's still a bad percentage. And it's like buying that designer handbag. Oh, it used to be five grand. It's only two grand. Guess what? You're talking two grand and a handbag. The, don't forget, you didn't save three grand. You spent two. So yeah, when you take yeah. out 72 grand on three or four percent, like, yeah, it's a good percentage. It's not six or seven, which is what it would be. But it's still three or four. So on that 75 grand, you're going to end up paying back 150. So mm-hmm. be careful what you spend that on. And oh, look, you got a Porsche in the driveway, brand new TV. You're going off to the Maldives or the Misses. Two years later, the 72 two grand's gone. But guess what? The debt ain't and the mortgage ain't. So average house price to 288 grand on a 5% um, fixed rate, 25 years. You're repaying five hundred five thousand pounds, so that you double the amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what percentage was that on? Five percent. Five. Yeah. Show up. Show up to seven. What's oh, it come out then? This is going to be six hundred and ten. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's that's over twenty five years as well. Like a lot of people are taking these out at twenty five and paying it back at sixty five. But to put it over forty years. Oh. Seven percent, forty years, eight hundred and fifty nine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, triple. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a young person coming out. You know, twenty five, thinking like you know, buying the average house and doing well. Yeah, it's mm. fine. I'll, I'll pay it off when I retire. Yeah, that's you're paying best part of a million quid, really, and that's assuming yeah. seven, right? And and I I would fully predict that there's going to be a good decade of potentially ten percent rates there, if not higher. And of course, the repayments will be lower because it's over a longer period of time, which people naturally normally do. But as you said, the bigger figure is crazy. And it's nearly three times that of the price of the property in the hope, of course, that property prices increase over time. And ironically, they won't increase probably to the value that you're paying the mortgage back at. And, and that's the thing. Most people have no clue when they take out that mortgage what the total repayable is. It always amazes me. If you if you ask the average person what's your total repayable on your mortgage, they'll look at you like you're fucking nuts. Say, oh, the house was worth this when I bought it. You're like, yeah. It's like, oh, it's fine. It's worth more now. Yeah, of course it is because all houses go up in value because of inflation. But what's your total repayable on the loan? Is it more or less than what you think your house is worth now? I can almost guarantee mm. you you're paying more than the house is worth because <laughs> the interest is going up faster than the house value. Well, of course, the uh, yeah. bank is always set up to win, right? Yeah, of course the they are. will always win. Otherwise, they just buy the fucking house themselves. <laughs> what, what? But they're starting to do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, should we get on to... Yeah, let's talk about Bitcoin and not houses. 
Yeah. Okay, so the first story was uh, the Balaji bet. Bitcoin hit in a million by June. So um, he's saying that it's already paid out. And this was interesting. Um, so you linked it to Twitter. And as always, with anybody anybody watching or listening, all of the stories are in the show notes. So you can click on the links and follow. So he's saying he just burned a million to tell you that they're printing trillions. Yeah, so basically Pelagi is... I, I have no clue what he's fucking doing here, right? So his, I don't either, it, and I was hoping you'd be able to shed some light. Because I, I think his bet, when he made it, when I, I watched probably about an hour of an interview, and he did fucking tens of hours of interviews about this bet, I think he was serious. I think he genuinely saw a banking collapse happening right there and then, and then people just withdrawing their money and throwing it into Bitcoin. So I think he genuinely saw $1 million Bitcoin by June. But now yeah. it seems relatively evident that ain't happening, right? Or I mean, Bitcoin's you, pretty stable. Or do you think he just wanted a bump by, say, like 20% or something like that, and it would put him well above a million in his holdings in Bitcoin? Yeah, well, who knows, right? Maybe he traded it because, you know, people were speculating that he was probably got about 100 million worth of bitcoin and just coming out of this bet pumped the price by something like four or five percent so if he made five million there but that's assuming he sells everything which obviously he's not yeah. going to pay all the taxes they've incurred but like the, the very rudimental maths were he made a million dollar bet but potentially made five on the pump of the price based on this bet that he did so is he really down uh but but yeah but he's spinning it now going uh, it was it was never about a million. I I was never going to. I never thought the price of Bitcoin was going to go to a million within three months. He just wanted to burn one million dollars, telling us that they're printing trillions. So you basically wanted to get a platform to be make a bet, be wrong, but get a load of attention and go see. Look, inflation's really bad. Let's go, Balaji. Every Bitcoiner worth their salt has been talking about the printing of trillions and exactly. we don't need to do silly million dollar bets. And I'm not sure because I think a lot of people heard heard about the million dollar bet and then they'll hear nothing else and probably just come back to it in a couple of months and we'll just be laughed at and this tweet thread won't even be um mentioned. So I, I'm not really sure what the hell he's doing. I, I think he's been I think he's he's realized he was wrong and I think he's trying to dig his way out of it and trying to re- recover some type of credibility. But I'm not a big fan of Balaji. He's, he's been a shit coiner. Uh, I think he is a shit coiner. I think he's turned Bitcoiner recently. And now I think he's trying to get a lot of attention. And I think he tried to make a big bet on the price of Bitcoin and he's wrong. And now he's trying to go, mm. oh, I knew I was wrong. But you do get these shit coiners who just want attention. Like if um connect to one of the other stories, is like all I ever see is fucking Udi, whatever his name is. So he just wants some fucking attention. And then you've got um, who we have a shit coiners, Craig Wright, attention. He just wants to be current, and it just maybe it's one of those things he wants to be current. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting some of the stats he he put in. So talking about the trillions, and then he talked about um, I think two quarters. It was from mild recession to full blown in two thousand and eight. Two years for USSR to collapse. Two months from patient zero to lockdowns lol um three of the four biggest bank failures are current um 2.2 trillion unrealized losses in real estate um 
Melt reckon it'll be worse than 2008. 1.4 trillion in unf- unfunded pensions, so obviously the US. I think there's a whole series of books about this. That basically, all the pensions are fucked in the US. Like, police forces, you've been paying it for 30 years. Unless you retire real soon, there's very slim chance you'll get any of that. Um, I think it was Robert's, or oh, what's his name? Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I can never think what his uh, name Robert is. Kiyosaki. Yeah, I think he talked about the issue about um, unfunded pensions. That's right. Then he's talking about de-dollarizations happening. Many countries are moving away. So, which is right. You know, what he's saying about that one's right. And um, I can't maybe think about Ray Dialio and Nick um, Bashir, both from no, no, not happening, not happening. And it's just like you've obviously been bribed for that because it, it's happening in your eyes. Less millionaires going to the US, gold demand surged to 11 year high. Um, and then his probability of the dollar collapsing, I mean, you put 10% within months, 70% within years, 19% within decades. And one percent within centuries. I think you know those kind of like probabilities probably are around about right. It probably is looking more like a decade or so. I reckon by twenty thirty, shit really will hit the fan though. Yeah. If you spent a million dollars just to get this tweet thread out, all right. Yeah, I know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I hadn't really heard of him before if I'm honest. And yeah. so he went around doing the rounds, you know, kind of doing every interview possible, kind of just making a name for himself even more so. So uh, yeah. maybe... He, he was around Bitcoin. He was a bit of an OG Bitcoiner. But then, um, yeah, he went into shitcoin, so everyone just left him. Who knows what he did, probably created a lot of shitcoins. Then he pops up as the, the CTO at Coinbase. So then everyone sees him. But then again, I think he did that for a bit of a profile thing because he didn't stay there for that long. Hmm. And then he comes out and he, he was massively, he, he tried to become some type of health expert during the whole COVID thing. He was a massive advocate for lockdowns and, and vaccines. He was, he rebranded his whole Twitter as if, I think he did study microbiology or some weird something that was related to vaccines in some shape or form anyway, or at least viruses. So he completely rebranded his Twitter and became this virus expert and was a huge advocate in it. You know, I, I think I'd unfollowed him already um, because of his <laughs> shit coining. And then the whole lockdown thing happened and he started tweeting. And then that that went from a from an unfollow to a block. And then it was only recently, once he made this million-dollar bet, that I actually unblocked him just to see what he was saying, to see if he's changed his tune. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm like, he's still just the, an attention whore. He just wants people to fucking look at him. Like, fine. Yeah, it's a fair point. Everything which he's saying is factually true. But the reason, like we said, it it's speculation, but there's something around this. Like, I think he ends with, once people understand the monetary system, the answer becomes very clear. We need something to take humanity into its next era and get off the fiat ponzi that we currently have. You know, this is something which is put around um, Bitcoin Twitter all the time. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin is the answer, in my opinion. Now, the one thing which I did love about this thread is um, one of the comments. 
Um, it is the hardest and most honest form of money ever created. Marco, whiteboard finance. I love Marco. <laughs> I do. I do. So, so I saw that. But, you know, I just listened to it. I wasn't really thinking about this guy in terms of his history. I was kind of like going, yeah. why would you fucking spend a million million dollars in order to, to do a video? So it didn't make a lot of sense, but I listened to it, you know, and thought it, everything she's saying is true. It's just the fact of why are you saying yeah. this? Everyone says this all the time. Why are you so special? Yeah, I think I think his big reveal video. I think he thought that was going to go as viral as, but it hasn't really. It's like no one really cares. It's like, oh right, you're talking shit, were you? Okay. It's like, oh, let's see your big reveal then. Why did you do this? And he just talks out, puts out a load of talking points that Bitcoiners have been saying for a decade. Okay, all right, nice. Later, let's move on to my strategy. I was going to say we got a lot better video later on. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Marco. Um, he is always given the real, and um, he's definitely one of my favourites to follow and and to watch on YouTube. Um, you haven't clicked your fingers. You're not going to bother clicking your fingers for that one. Uh, oh, not that one. No, Jesus, it's like a ten minute video. Oh, okay. No, and Belagi doesn't deserve. We've always talked, spent too much time on him. He's a freaking attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to MicroStrategy. They're actually doing something good for Bitcoin. I suppose they're just trying to get attention. Or who knows? Actually, maybe they're trying to get attention. But um, well, you know it, what? It's funny actually. You do say that because the attention that they have gotten is obviously, um, you know, they put around. I don't know how much into, I think they 10 x the company just through their uh, association with Bitcoin and obviously Michael Saylor being the CEO. But it's not like he was just all of a sudden an overnight CEO. He's been the CEO for 23 years of MicroStrategy. Let me start to look at their share price because it's been a bit choppy up and down, hasn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, they're down on their Bitcoin and purchases last time I saw. But I think the share price is probably still well up. But uh but yeah, so I, I still not not really sure what MicroStrategy do. I think there's some type of business data platform thing me. It's business intelligence. Yeah, that doesn't tell me anything. I I knew that, but I still don't know what they do. It's just uh yeah, they, they do stuff with data and businesses. All right, great. So but they seem to make quite a lot of money doing that. Uh, I think um, Sailor obviously became a billionaire off the back of all this. So they're obviously good. And they seem to have a lot of good partnerships and all that kind of good stuff. But the only reason they're on here is not for us to show MicroStrategy, but it's they've, they've um, launched a Lightning platform. So they've integrated Lightning into their core platform. And it seems to, obviously, you can't use this. You can't really see it. There's no demos and screenshots and a bit of like marketing blurb. But it seems to be microtransactions uh, using Lightning within a business platform. You're trying to incentivize either your employees or your customers to do certain things, and you can give them Satoshis as a reward. Uh, so that's good. It is good that, you know, obviously, like we always say, we need Bitcoin integrated into the core things in finance and business and in the just in general retail. Uh, all these integrations help. Uh, so it's yet yet more infrastructure. 
Yeah. So it's rebuilding the whole financial um, sector, industry, industry, whatever you want to call it, their infrastructure. Hence why it's so important. I can't really add anything to this. It's, you know, it's just I don't really understand how they're going to use it. But same, same. I tried to do a little bit of research prior to now, and uh, yeah, I couldn't find anything. I saw that he's done a uh, an interview recently. I didn't have time to. Uh, watch it with Natalie Brunel uh, that was just about 45 minutes and then he's also gone on um, Mr Orlin's favourite YouTube f- programme uh, Patrick Bet David <laughs> and uh, so he's he's on there today as well yeah yeah who knows if he's going to chat about this but yeah it's good right it's, it always reminds me of um, you know when cars came out and everyone was on horse and, um, horse and, and cart. You go, the big argument was there's no roads. There's no roads for that suit cars. Everything's uh, just tracks that suit horse and cart. And um, this is another road. Someone's building another road. At the moment, it doesn't connect to anything. It's just the road from MicroStrategy out to a highway. And there's no highway there. But you go, it, there's another road in. So we, we should all just do our bit and build one of the roads or something in. And eventually the network of roads are being built and you're like, oh, of course, yeah, Bitcoin's easy now. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think uh, Dr. 10% getting down and dirty over there. <laughs> <laughs> Someone under the desk again. <laughs> I, hope it, I hope it's the mistress, not the wife. <laughs> No response. That must Ooh. be yes. might, might might be both. Oh, do you play? Nice. You are treating yourself, sir. <laughs> gobble people's gobble. Champ- gobble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The people's champ. <laughs> I don't even know what the conversation was. I was just handing my wife a coat. <laughs> well, that's what you call it, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next story that we're going to move on to is the ten to twenty dollar main chain Bitcoin transactions are back due to NFTs. Now, I would really like an understanding on this because I was reading it. I was trying to get an understanding of the ordinals, and um, yes, do you want to try and clear this up for us? Yeah, that's why I really push this one forward because I've seen shit shit on Twitter about ordinals. I've kind of gone, they're basically NFTs, or rather, it's yeah. link it's links within the blockchain using JavaScript to to an to an image. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. My understanding, to sorry, was that more NFTs were on ETH as opposed to Bitcoin, so therefore it would clog up that network and let. Uh, Bitcoin just do what Bitcoin does, which is not nothing to do with NFTs. So again, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, right. Th- this is one of our lessons, really, as to why you don't change Bitcoin, because you know how we're we were all a fan of Taproot, but mm-hmm. every time we were talking about that, it was always. But there's a risk we have unintended consequences. So one of the things that we did with Taproot was you could put in smart contract type of thing with bitcoin so you could you could make it where you could send it and then receive 10 percent back every 30 days or something essentially you could do loans and 
you could do like very short smart contracts with Bitcoin as well. That was one of the benefits of Taproot gave us. And it looked like, okay, great. It, it makes Bitcoin a bit more programmable at a base layer. Nothing crazy. It's still got to be a very, very short piece of code, but you can put a bit of code in there. So it took the shitcoin morons about six months to figure out they could put JavaScript links or whatever links uh, to JPEGs and to shitcoins. So they started doing that. And it's got to get a bit of momentum. And there's a load of quite influential shitcoiners and NFTers that have suddenly just started spamming the shit out of the Bitcoin network, uh, putting all their JPEGs and shitcoins onto the Bitcoin blockchain. And they push fees up hugely. They've pushed them up to $10, $20 a transaction. So before you could get, you know, I've been sending transactions the last two years, one Satoshi per transaction, you know, a fraction of, of a penny. Now mm-hmm. suddenly it's $10, $20 uh, because the shit coins and the NFTs that they're shilling are, are going for more than that. So it takes, it costs you $20 to put a, put a random link to a JPEG on the Bitcoin blockchain, but they're selling it for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Because yet again, there's a lot of more ones, seemingly anyway, on the receiving end of this. So you never know how much of the money on the other end is legit. Because as we yeah, know, all the shit coins and NFTs, the, the, the key trick, the great trick they always pull is they buy it all themselves first. Because you know, no one knows who's buying it, right? You just, you issue a load of shit coins, you issue a load of JPEGs, and you just buy the first thousand yourself. You get a load of, these, these people are very wealthy. They can just buy a shit ton of stuff off themselves and it suddenly starts a bit of FOMO, the idiots and the dumb money start playing in. And before you know it, there's people actually genuinely buying these for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And that's what's happened. And uh, there's a load of shit coiners at the moment doing the, the victory lap around Twitter going, Bitcoin's broken, $20 fees. And now that you know, Bitcoin's now a shit coin and NFT network. And my answer to that would be, this is a fad. It's gonna it's gonna boom in a month and it will die next month. And uh, yeah. Bitcoin's not broken at all. Bitcoin is a network that still completely works. You just have to pay more for the main chain now, which, as always, use Lightning. It's still free. It doesn't affect Lightning. It only affects the main chain. And uh, yeah, and and the core Bitcoin kind of people aren't buying these NFTs. They're not buying these shitcoins. It's the it's the random shitcoiners, and we know they come and go really quickly. That the, the, the people that run these scams are very clever. They'll come in, make millions. A load of idiots will come and lose the millions. And then everything goes to zero and they move on to the next thing. Uh, you just think- got to see, what's his name? Is is it Logan Paul? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, when he appears, maybe near. If anything, yeah, it'd be great to see a Logan Paul because he normally marks the top. He normally comes in. Right at the end, so he's the last one, and doesn't, he doesn't make any money normally. He just gets scammed himself or something. But I think you raise a really good point there, though, um, that we do see these these fad these phases come in for a little short time. You know, it causes a blip to the kind of the network and to the running, the normal running of of Bitcoin, and then we get over it. And all and as always. Bitcoin just meanders its way through all of the crap and then just comes out on top and then says, hit me again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, um, yeah. We'll, we'll take the pain now. Yeah. The one thing that I really would take away from this is Satoshi 
coded and designed a near perfect ceremony and taproot looked like a great idea and it, it did have some, some improvements around uh, like the privacy and the overall um, size of transactions and and improved the chain in that way but it allowed this it allowed a load of shit coiners to come and spam our network they couldn't do this before you couldn't mm. put links and bullshit shit coins on the bitcoin network before taproot and because we all signed off on it this happened so this is this is probably going to be something that comes and goes in a couple of months and people can get bored and dumb money only lasts for so long right once a dumb money runs out but what's to stop it coming back or some kind of i don't know enhancement on this in two three yeah nothing i suppose that's what's going through my head is how how do we stop this does there have to be another development where this is taken out that's the that's the and then obviously then there's the risk of if you take it out what else does it do and all that kind of stuff so yeah so i just think you know the the network is is nigh on near perfect and every time we change it we have a huge risk of breaking bitcoin and and i don't think this is it but it's a warning shot so i think Mm. next time we have another upgrade I'm I'm nearly just going to be a no. Like, just fucking leave it, you know. Even this, like, just leave it. Like in the moment, yeah, a load of sh- a load of shitcoiners can end up paying ten, twenty dollars because the only people winning out of this, right, are the shitcoin owners. They always win because they're selling something that's worthless for something, so they make the money. But the real winners in all this are the miners. If you're mining Bitcoin right now, you're fucking loving it. Every transaction's going in at twenty dollars a transaction instead of one penny or a fraction of a penny. So they're just raking in the money. The miners are making an absolute fucking fortune. The shitcoin founders are making a fortune. And all it is, is it's the dumb money just need to lose their money. And they lose it pretty quick. You know, within six months, they're out. They're out of dry powder. And then they're gone for two years. Just an understanding of ordinals. So they are mark on a set or something. Is that what happens? I mean, how does that get... How is how is an ordinal stored? I don't really understand that because I've stayed away from bothering reading it just because I've been like, what's the point? Yeah, I, I haven't massively dug into it. I, I assume it's the same as an NFT, which is just, it's just a link to a fucking JPEG so that it's stored somewhere else. It's so just it's a link. Li- so it's literally on a blockchain, there's a link. Yeah, there's a link to a JPEG, which you could change. You could change what exists behind that JPEG. You think it might be a picture of a monkey or whatever. But I could change it to a dick, right? easy. Right. Yeah, I, I, w- I just can't be bothered reading about it. When I first Same. read Ordinals and it was basically an NFT, I was just like, I just don't care. Yeah, that's what I've seen it the last like three or six months. I just went, I don't even put it on the podcast. I can't be asked. I don't want to even discuss it. But then obviously yeah. now it's kind of come back to bias and it's hurt the network. And now we've got $20 fees and everyone wants to know why that's happened. So we have to talk about it. But um, I think it's going to be a temporary thing. There's a couple of links in here, and one's Marty Marty Bent, so someone who we um, do have articles from. Cracking article, kind of like probably more of the same of what you were saying. Um, it brings up grifters, which is you know a great term, and I think he calls he puts a spin of positive on this. So I think it's called Jevons paradox, which is more efficient and useful a resource becomes the more it will be used. 
Yeah. So kind of like putting the benefit, putting the positive that Bitcoin's become more and more popular. So people are looking at ways of extorting money from it, um, which is a good way of looking at it. But it's also, you know, the way which Satoshi designed it, as you said, it was to stop all this shit. You know, and I think, um, I can't remember who you put it on, you were talking about this before, or it was when we were in our group. It's what layer two is for, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, if it's shit, we can just stop using layer two. You know, we can stop using the taproot network or whatever it's called and just be like, fuck it, don't want to use it anymore. So it's full of fucking grifters. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, so, it's, it's, it's a good warning shot, this, because this could have been worse, right? This could have been something that they, who knows, that they could have been able to get this into the blockchain for cheap. I think... I think I've, you know, it makes me understand it even more because the way which I explain it to people, you know, when we ask is the Bitcoin network is a gold. It's like when you buy your, I don't know, brush or comb off Amazon, you don't buy it with fucking gold, do you? You buy it with money and it's and it's near instant um, using the Visa network. So you keep your gold in your bank, you borrow against the gold, which is then onto the Lightning network and the Lightning network is the equivalent of Visa. So it's, you know, um you don't you don't worry about that underlying infrastructure with your gold as long as it's safe and secure so yeah leave it alone get all the other layers to do the infrastructure which we need in a in a financial network yeah yeah like it uh... um let's move on to our favourite country, which is featured in the last three podcasts, oh. uh, Argentina. But they've gone and done something which just goes against everything that they need, which is a ban on the buying of Bitcoin. We now know that that means Bitcoin is definitely what they need. You know, <laughs> when they ban it, it it's, it's a buy signal. So uh, Argentina's central uh, bank bans financial institutions from offering Bitcoin. I think the and, initial banks, it did ban it, but I think it was banks offering it. And this is just any institutions, isn't it? That's my understanding. Correct. Because when the IMF swooped in and said, don't worry, Argentina, I'll save you. Just <laughs> hold on. I'm banks. <laughs> <laughs> but now they're back and they're saying, Ban it completely, aren't they? Yeah, ban it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think um, obviously our first set of stories on Argentina were yeah, it's fucked. Uh, but then last week looked like a little glimmer of hope. Yeah, they gave the middle finger to the IMF. Yeah, they're going off to start accepting the one instead, and maybe partnering with China. You go, okay, may maybe they're looking to go a little bit independent, and one of the next steps also would be. Adopting Bitcoin, you're getting off the US dollar. I would accept, like, go to China, go to Russia, go to Bitcoin, start spreading your bets. But in reality, it's they're still under the control. It's just in reality, who's controlling them now? Instead of probably America controlling them, China are controlling them instead now. And they're going, yeah, yeah, we'll give you some money, but ban that Bitcoin stuff. We don't want all our good money filtering out the sides. We know what happens. So uh, yeah, ban it, and uh, it's it's super bad news for Argentina, right? It's uh, it traps the people there into fiat, 
and uh, that they're going to really struggle now. And you know, the I've I've seen some tweets around all this stuff, and it's it's just going to push it more and more peer to peer, more and more black market because people are going to find Bitcoin. And oh yeah, and they can you do want the safe route, don't you? I mean, like they're they're begging for the US dollar, which shows how bad things have gone. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I suppose I made a bit of a joke of it last week about the um, inflation between the weeks. I've just looked at it this week. It's not too bad. It's only an increase of four pesos within a week between the US dollar and the Argentinian peso, which is a weekly inflation of 1.75%. Yeah. On average, is that since we've been covering Argentina? No, that, that's just one week. Just, just one week, yeah. So in the last three pods... Which we've covered Argentina, what's been the increase? So that would put us back to sorry, I've got to look at the date yeah. now. Um, so what did we come up the 25th the first time of April? Yeah, it's, oh, it's not too bad, it's only gone up by eight. Um, so that would be what about four percent in total? Hmm, that's not that's, that's not bad, yeah. But well, but they, in three weeks, pod, it was 118 percent in a year, wasn't it? That was what hit them onto yeah. the pod. But if yeah. we go back to the start of April, it was 211, so it's gone up by 17 within um, a month. Yeah. So that's yeah. you know bordering on 10 percent within a month, and that's also the official rate as well. So who knows what is happening underneath the water there? Because yeah. Um, yeah, so they featured on Pod ninety five when we were talking about Inflation Weekly, and uh, Argentina's uh, inflation hitting one hundred and eighteen percent. And again, as we said, the um, who knows if that figure is even that? It's typically always going to be higher. Yeah, we always say two to three times, which always turns out to be accurate. So yeah, it could literally be um what I said 1.75. So that would be um 5.25% within a week, which is horrific when you start to look at it that way. Yeah. And again, I, I use this as a good model because I'm guessing that the majority of listeners and people that aren't from Argentina and aren't in a country that is hit hyperinflation, but this is this is the, the model that tends to happen. You know, hyperinflation occurs, governments go into panic, the, the the people are trying to flee to other forms of fiat that are more stable, but also Bitcoin. So the government will then ban those flights to freedom. So you can't wait for it to happen because when you if you do wait that long, the exit paths and the life rafts will be will be blocked. Whereas if you do it first, before it fails, then the the lifeboats are open. You can just walk straight on them, and then that's sadly, you know, for the people of Argentina, they'd have been fine buying Bitcoin for the last couple of years, and it'd been a very sensible thing to do. You'd avoided a lot of inflation from the peso or even the dollar if they're in the dollar. They'd have done very well by buying Bitcoin, but now, now it's illegal. Now you're a criminal if you buy Bitcoin in Argentina, and that's what they do. They they make you a criminal. For just doing something that protects you and your family, and uh, so it's also you know, it makes it absolutely insane. But how can the government tell you what currency to use when you actually think about it? It is your money, mm. your time, your belongings. Yet someone's telling you what you can spend it on and what you can measure the value in. 
And it's just, you think about it and you go, it's absolutely batshit crazy when you put it down to that level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they'll have a load of rationale for it. But it all, it all boils down to the fact that if they don't have control of the money, they don't have control of you. Yeah, so, so I think there's a little phrase in here. The central bank banned Bitcoin operations for the entire financial sector, saying it aims to mitigate the risks involved in transactions of digital assets. Those include well, high volatility, <laughs> um, cyber attacks and money laundering. Yeah. So it just says it all high volatility. Don't worry. We all gently give you a soft landing from 220 to possibly 440 within the next year, but it'll be soft. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Bitcoin could take you up and down and actually keep your money stable. Yes. Yeah. It's laughable. Watching the Fiat Mulons try and justify why they ban Bitcoin and say that their Fiat, which is just hyperinflated and is near worthless, is a better store of value and a better money than Bitcoin is. You almost can't believe they're doing it, but then you kind of go, well, what else are they going to say? You'd expect that off the government, but you'll have people saying this to you, won't they? Yeah. You know, actual yeah. members of the public who'd be like, oh, the government want the best interest. It's like, yeah, since when? I think you, re uh, you touched on it really well, Mr. Orlin, when you talked about when the government ban it, it's actually too late. So take again this as a sign that this could easily happen wherever you live, wherever you're listening to the pod from, that you, you may as well just get a little bit, you know, because we know that bank accounts can be frozen super easy. We know that CBDCs are coming into effect and, um, and will be here eventually. And so you need an alternative before you have no choice. Yeah. Should we move on? Yeah, I think it brings us quite nicely to the next story, which is another Marty Bentz story. The end game is getting close as US banks continue to fail. So a lovely article from Marty about this. So the first thing which I took from it, because I just seem to have missed this one, but PacWest is going soon and looking to be purchased. Yeah. Um, and there's and Jerome Powell. public one as well. I think where you missed that one as well. I think that was last week, wasn't it? How did we? Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's every week there's another big bank going, right? It's, and it's always it's only a small bank. And now it's a, it's only the second largest bank in US history to the the whole dismissal of oh, it's only the small bank, it's only small countries starting to run out, aren't they? Because these banks that are failing are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But don't exactly. worry, but don't worry. Jerome Powell says the banking system is sound and resilient. Ah, oh, okay. Jerome Powell wouldn't lie. So, so we've had the second and the third largest banking failure in 2023. I think and... it's two, three, four, five, isn't it? It's only the first, which was 2008. Yeah, the first is 2008. Yeah, there's been nothing else big, but. I guess these are all just the ripple effects and effectively they will culminate into one big collapse, but it is a uh, controlled demolition, 
and collapse because ultimately, as we said on last week, they all roll up into the six big banks in the US. But it's you know it's waiting for one of them to go. So I think how like leading on from it, it's like the dominoes. We talked about the countries. Oh, it's, mm. it's only um, it's only Argentina, it's only Turkey, it's mm. only um, what other countries we've got on the verge at the moment. I think there's a few more. It's only Paraguay. It's only Ecuador. It's only Venezuela. Mm, Brazil, they're all, all right, but it's a bit of inflation. It's only Brazil, though. And it's just, it's bigger and bigger and bigger, and it is the domino effect there. Because um, yeah, it's... Cause that, that, the chart that they have on this article is crazy, right? You know, the big bubbles right yeah. at the top. I have to look at it on my phone. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, they show you basically the, the value of the banks that, that failed. And, um, you know, in 2008, you've got Washington Mutual Bank with $307 billion. You've got IndyMac Bank, $32 billion. They were the the two big ones, right? But then in 2022 alone, you had Silicon Valley, Signature, and First Republic. They all was... Signature Bank, the smallest, $110 billion, And then First Republic and Silicon Valley Bank, both over $200 billion. So those bubbles look fucking huge in 2023 compared mm. to loads and loads of smaller banks that all just went insolvent during 2008. But if you shove those balls back into 2008, you go, wow, look how, of course, the market failed based on this huge amount of money going. But um, I think what slightly misses it, obviously, that is the fact that because inflation is so bad, you know, 300 billion back in 2008 is nothing in 2023. Yeah, you know, that's just... Of course. It's loose change that you lose back down the back of the sofa. Yeah, so, we, uh, need a, we need a bigger bank, don't we, to actually make it look um, beaming number one. Yeah. So, so, even, so even though this is like the second largest bank failure, it's actually only the hundredth biggest bank now because mm. the, the banks will have so much more money. They they probably have trillions now, right? Some the top five banks with the, you know, what we listed the yeah. other day. So what, what was Washington Mutual again? $307 billion. So we say that money halves in value every, roughly every 15 years, so we're looking for one to be really $600 billion plus in yeah. order for it to be <clears throat> bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Although we also know that the the largest transfer of wealth ever happened in the last three years. So I think the banks made a lot no, of money. No, that was for masks. <laughs> oh, your grandma got it. Oh, all the grandmas are rich now. I forgot. They got all the money. Or maybe the banks and Big Pharma got it. So I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, it should be 600 billion, but I would imagine it's, it's nearer a trillion that we're probably looking for. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we went 600 billion. I think that's probably a fair one over 15 years, but the last two, three years probably really distorted it, like you were saying. Mm. And it's, you know, I think we saw this in 2008. So, 15 years later, it's so obvious that the government's backstopping by printing. So, you touched upon it at the start when we we're talking about what is it, Skipton, and that the government yeah. will just bail them out. You know, yep. where does it end? Because they're making bad decisions all the time. They've barely got any fractional reserves in America. I think in the UK, we're a bit tighter. But in the US, it's fuck all, literally, which they have in the background. So what is it, 20% of people take their money? They all fall over. You know, I don't think any any of them survive. 
Um, and it's like it's always systematic issues, whereas we're all worrying about um misgendering and pronouns and shit, whereas this is just ripping wealth or any prosperity away from the normal person, but they don't realise it. So to worry about being misgendered instead. Mm. Yeah. Because it's it's one of them I, I I think it's very different what's happening at the moment to 2008. Weirdly, I think 2008, like they went straight for Lehman Brothers. They they were the one that went bust, and they were one of the top five banks, if not the top bank at the time. What year was that, Lehman Brothers? It's 2008. 2008. Yeah. That, how, that, how much were they? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised they're not on <laughs> it, because they were the big one. I don't know what... Yeah, I'd have to look it up. But they were the big one, right? They were one of the top five banks. The six hundred nineteen billion in debt when Lehman Brothers collapsed. Yeah. So Lehman Brothers were forced to file for bankruptcy, and that sent the company stock plummeting a final ninety three percent. When it was all over, Lehman Brothers, with its six hundred nineteen billion dollars in debts, was the largest corporate bankruptcy filing in U.S. history. Yeah. So how come they're not on the um, bubbles? That's what's confusing. It's an interesting me. one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And to us, I'm surprised that all the other banks aren't there as well. I can only mm. I can assume that like these are the banks that either got acquired or went bust. And technically, I think Lehman Brothers and all those guys got bailed out. But but then that would then say First Republic Signature and Silicon Valley Bank also didn't get bust. They all got either purchased or or brought out. But um, but yeah, I just think <laughs> regardless of the bubbles, I think it's um because the smaller banks are going over first, it means they can't. They have the ability to bail them out. I mean, when the big one goes bust, the way that the banks are all set up, they all owe each other money. They all lend money to each other. Yeah. If one just goes, we're done, it literally means they're all done because they all share the same money. They all have the same kind of balance sheets. So it was just almost unrecoverable in 2008. So we had to have a huge correction where everyone lost confidence in the in the banking system and you know, millions lost their homes and you know it was a big recession and we had a serious market correction following it. But I think this time the bigger banks aren't going under first. They haven't had the hit. It's the smaller ones that have gone and people are running to the bigger ones for safety. Bizarrely. Right. So I think the the way the US are treating this is if we just bail out the small ones, eventually all the money ends up in the big ones. That's kind of what we wanted anyway. Kind of quite convenient because they're the ones most under government control. And uh, hopefully they don't go bust. I mean, they all just massively think, got fingers crossed that once all the money is in the top five banks, it doesn't start leaving one of them. And that's what might happen. Because obviously we know inflation is going to continue to happen. And uh, we also know those big five are also insolvent. So if the people yeah. actually realize that and they start buying Bitcoin, then it's all over. But um, I think they're trying to put out the fire as they go. And um, yeah, it's just, the thing is that the, the money printing just is going to start getting insane because these, these, the, these bank collapses just keep getting bigger. It's every week there's another one. And, and we're talking hundreds of billions here every week being printed to bail out a bank, and, th and this is just in the US. And, yeah, and this, is, this is on top of all the kind of stuff over the last few years. 
So it's just more. It's another 20% year. It's another 30% year. And it's just all topping up. It's like they've got to do it in a way. Yeah. Um, I would I mean, also caveat that the top six banks, I'm sure they've got something like 50% of all of the uh, liquidity that goes through them anyway. I'm just doing a quick calculation on uh, statista.com, but uh, I'm sure it is that. Um, so just while you're looking at that, I mean, there's some quotes here from Marty. There's no future that exists where the system as we know it can persist without turning into an overly Orwellian hellscape where people's money is tightly controlled and it loses any connection to the actual definition of money. We mm. are halfway there. You know, there's stuff going on in Canada and also the, the introduction of CBDCs. It's coming, you know, and literally this is, we've talked about it many times, CBDCs aren't a step forward. They're a step to try and remain in control. And Marty talks about it through the whole of the article. The government isn't going to save you. In fact, the only option the government has if it wants to maintain control is to further and save you into their monetary system. Exactly the same point. And you can't argue against it. There's no benefits to CBDCs, and it's absolutely insane they're being suggested. And the fact that cash is now dangerous. Um, yeah, and many mentions the end game is in play, and you are currently standing at a fork in the road, one path leading to misery, and the other leading to freedom. Choose wisely. And this is where I think your comment about Argentina comes in, so never look. Why don't you just have 1% of your wealth? Why not even 10%? If you're not if you're not a believer, what is one percent gonna do? Yeah. It, it, it may it, save it, you. It's the point where it's it's buy now or regret it forever. Yeah. It's we're we're getting down to decision time. Yeah, but before it's oh I've missed out, Bitcoin's too high in price, da 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 da. It's like and you've been fortunate at the moment that your fiat hasn't gone to zero. You've still got your fiat. You missed out on Bitcoin gains, but you still got your fiat. It's getting to the point where your fear is going to zero and you're going to wake up one day and it, and it will be zero and you'll go, holy shit, I just want a little bit of Bitcoin then. Just give me a yeah. fraction and it's going to be, no, Bitcoin's banned or your your or your dollars or your pounds, your euros, they're worthless now. So we're, we're getting to that point. It's So that's why he says, like, choose wisely. Well, this is worthless. Your family depend on your your financial decision. They're becoming worthless. And um, you know, they're coming up with silly shit. It's like eat the bugs because the bugs are cheaper than beef. <laughs> eat the vegan slop because it's cheaper than chicken. Um, the stuff which causes cancer and is made and is called plant based because it's made in a type of plant, a factory plant. Um, but it's for your health. Um, is what they claim now. And it's so out of control, and it's so obvious when you peel back the covers. Yeah, they're just they're just manipulating the CPI. Mm. They're, they're replacing beef with crickets and going, see, the price hasn't gone up. <laughs> no, but you you replace beef with insects. That isn't like for light. Or well, someone suggests for me that you trim down the amount of beef which you have in a bolognese or a burger or something and put the beans in instead. I said, no, I'm not doing that. It's meant to be healthier. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's like getting half a blowjob. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it the um, end or the beginning? 
<laughs> anyway, should we move on to RFK? RFK. When I, when I saw this at first, I was a bit like, wow, there's someone like this that exists that's trying to run for office and trying to fight the good fight for the people and the masses. And then once again, reality kicked in and I thought, never going to make it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> never going to make it. It's all good. And, and, and I say this based on what's happening today with Imran Khan being arrested in um, in Pakistan. Uh, me and my friends were talking about it earlier on where, you know, he could have rode off into the sunset, a cricket legend and hero, but instead he wanted to expose the crooks that were taking money from uh, Pakistan and have been and been lining their pockets. And he's, you know, Unfortunately, maybe he's going to have to pay the, the highest penalty with his life. RFK equally might also be killed off. Well, he's, he's the nephew of JFK, right? Yep. And um, JFK is, obviously, I hate politics. I hate all politicians. However, JFK is probably the, the politician I hold at the highest esteem. He was the one that tried to stop the US dollar going into a fiat standard. He tried to keep it on a gold standard. He also tried to keep America out of the Vietnam War. However, the, the CIA, the, the elitists and the globalists didn't did not agree with that. So whether you want to agree or disagree, they shot him in the head. Their, their story is it was a random guy that did the shot of a century. A guy that had barely shot a rifle in his life did a 200-meter shot, high winds, bang, shot him straight in the back of the head. There's only some, like three guys in the world that could have made that shot. They all worked for the um, for the U.S. Army. So he was assassinated, right? And then straight away, Nixon comes in, starts the Vietnam War it, it's straight away, which ends up being a complete catastrophe, and throws them onto a fiat standard and starts the money printing. JFK is removed the normal government machine continues. War, the war machine of continues, which we know is highly profitable. And of course, the most profitable thing that you can ever get is just printing money out of thin air and just giving it to yourself. It's even better than the war machine. You just get the printing, give it to yourself. So this is the nephew of JFK. And he seems to be talking exactly like his, his uncle. And he's massively anti-war. He's massively anti-lockdown. And he's massively pro-Bitcoin. And I don't think he completely gets it because he's also talking about crypto quite a lot. But I don't mind him the fact that he's going, just let it be. Let it compete. Um, having people have privacy around their money. Yeah, criminals want privacy. But also normal citizens want their privacy. And normal citizens want to not be harassed and controlled by the government. And maybe they want their own form of money that they want to use to let them use it. And he thinks that you know, I think fiat will still be a thing, but I do. I think he believes what his uncle also said, which was printing money at the rate they're printing is highly detrimental to just about every citizen that has to use that money. So fucking mm. stop it. And uh, and hearing his views on lockdowns and vaccines is also just super refreshing. He's done a long podcast on the All In podcast, not my podcast, 
even though I missed it all in. It's actually a, a different podcast. And holy shit, he goes in. He goes he he goes all in on uh, the COVID vaccine plus all vaccines. He he talked about when he was a child, he got vaccinated against three things. He's now got his grandkids coming through. They took seventy two doses. Uh, for, to vaccinate them against like 25 different viruses. Um, and he just goes, half these things are just unnecessary. He's got a whole thing on it. And he's, he's stating papers, statements. He's got all the the rise in autism, um, allergies, all this stuff. And he's going, these can be pegged back to when we started um, flooding our kids. And there's just a massive incentive of once these, um, to get your vaccine, kind of um, government approved as part of the children process, suddenly then you don't need to market it, you don't need to advertise it because it's just mandatory. You just you just get to sell. However many kids are born that year, you get to sell that many. It's fucking beautiful. So we they saw a lot of lobbying and da, 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 da. And holy shit, he goes in on everything. He is so anti-establishment. He so sees the wood for the trees. And uh, he's, he's clearly got JFK written all through him. And uh, yeah, and he's running for president. Seems to be Bitcoin friendly. Uh, so yeah, I'm just wondering when he becomes a friend of the Clinton uh, Clintons and accidentally shoots him in the head himself in the head three times. <laughs> um, and and throws the gun away as well. The, the 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 friends of the Clintons tend to shoot themselves in the head three or four times and then throw the gun away afterwards because there's no gun on the scene, which. A little bit suspicious, right? And normally when you commit suicide, the gun's lying next to you, but not if you're a friend of the Clintons. The, the, the gun's nowhere to be found. Nothing suspicious about that. Well, did you know that the JFK um, assassination video wasn't released until many years afterwards? No, I didn't know that, no. Exactly 37 years afterwards. So we take it for granted. 37? Yes, that just shows, doesn't it? Because when when after that, you're just like, well, who cares after that, right? Exactly. But like... thirty seven years, and and the reason why it got brought up is because we're now living in a in, in an age where everybody's quick to pull their phones out before they call nine nine nine. But this was taken from somebody stood on a grassy knoll with a uh, a video camera and we naturally handed it in but it was never ever released to the public yeah and and, and why wouldn't you release something that was they, they obviously there i'm sure their rationale was oh it's too gory it's the assassination of a president you don't want to see this stuff but in reality what were they really scared about they, they were scared about the fact that it revealed that it wasn't a member of the public that took the shot, right? It was correct. It was someone else, and um, and yes. Yeah, so who knows, eh? Who knows? Mm. But I, the the problem is, right? I have I have no faith in politics. So either either what will happen with Robert is he'll either because he, I think he's running for Democrat as well. By the way, he's not even running he conservative. Which so he's got to beat Biden. Yeah. And that's in the primaries, like not even the main election. He needs to beat him on the way up. So running as a Democrat on this type of um, manifesto, you have fucking no chance. 
you know, Democrat voters are the COVID Karens, they're the woke woke group. They're coming out against everything government. Isn't it just destroys their little nice little Nirvana world they think they live in? There's no way they they vote. But he is a but he is a candidate, and they do love a candidate in the US. So maybe with some hope. Yeah, yeah, but just purely the fact I think. If he's running as a Democrat and he's anti-lockdown and anti-vaccine, no chance. They fucking love their lockdowns and their vaccines when you're but a Democrat. it's actually because... It's weird in America, isn't it? It's because the, <laughs> isn't it? the Republicans decided that they didn't like those things. Well, the first ones to mouth off, then the Democrats like... Immediately, it's opposite. And it's literally like this really weird um, religion in America, isn't it? They're so divided, they can't even think for themselves. It's actually, oh yeah, this person's a bad person because they're a Republican. Apart from you've got a well, someone who is um a bit dodgy as the president at the moment, who seems to sniff little children, which is fat. I can say that <laughs> because he does. There's vid- countless videos. He's senile. He can barely string together a sentence, but somehow um he's all right. And not only is he all right, he got the most votes every, ever for any president in the history. Oh. He was so popular, mm. even dead people went to vote. Yeah, <laughs> they crawled out of their graves and voted for him. And, oh. uh, but yeah, but I think the reaction, I think, you know, to Robert um, F. Kennedy is is just shown by the this congressman, Brad Sherman, yeah, our next story. Which his tweet is because this this is a reaction actually. So RFK has been announced as a new speaker at the Bitcoin conference. So this year the Bitcoin conference is going to have him as a speaker. And he's got a lot to say, and hopefully he gets further orange pilled at that conference. He I think he's still got a lot of learning to do on Bitcoin. So hopefully this is is good for him. But in reaction to that, this is a member of Congress. This is not a random fucking shitcoiner. Some random. Freaking fiat lover. There's a member of fucking Congress, right? And this is his tweet about this post. He retweets it saying, 60 years ago, the late, great Robert R.F. Kennedy went after tax evaders as U.S. Attorney, Attorney General. Today, his son is slated to speak at a conference for tax evaders. Since when are all Bitcoiners tax evaders? Mm. If anything, that's a little bit of a new one for me. I thought he'd call us racists or, you know, climate change deniers or I don't know the normal one. But the tax evasion thing is a bit interesting, and I also like how the fact that he references his dad and not his uncle, because mm. referencing his uncle is inconvenient. Because his uncle would be completely giving him, you know, Congressman Bad Sherman, the the two fingers, but. He references his dad because he obviously went after tax evaders. Okay, fine. And it's like that's that's the reaction, you know. Like instead of a politician going, you know what, I'm going to go speak at the Bitcoin conference and you know maybe do some learning and just you know put out my message. That that that, that this is this is a shit post. <laughs> this is something I would say, right? This is this is a an off the cuff comment, unprofessional. It's it's like it's, it's just provoking, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it's not something. As a member of Congress, you can't say this shit. Really, no. you're not allowed. Yeah, he's just going. He's just putting one big group 
you've thrown this guy, which is a presidential candidate, which in reality, he should be unbiased, right? As a member of Congress, he's supposed to be like the arbitrator of the of the president and keep them in check and balance and stuff and kind of be unbiased, really, and go, I'm looking after the US people and making sure the president doesn't step out of line too far. So I'm going to vote yes or no. He shouldn't be picking his favourites. He's picking his favourite here, isn't he? He's clearly, Robert is not his favourite. He fucking hates him. And he's going now, he's undoing his dad's legacy and going to go and help a load of tax evaders at a Bitcoin conference evade tax. And you go, where did you get that from, you fucking idiot? And also, is ta- the amount of tax that people pay. Remember, what was it? There was a revolt on the Americans, on the British, because they're having to pay, what was it, 2% tax? Now they pay um, mm. over 40% instead. So let's think about that as a closing statement. <laughs> yeah. Rich, should we move on to Jack Mallers? Yeah, definitely. This is what I referred to when I talked about the positive video. So Jack uh, Mallers was, uh, um, was it a Swan event? Swan Bitcoin event? Swan Bitcoin, yeah. yeah. Where he was um, a speaker. And it was really, really interesting point of view, which he did on this. So kind of talking about his own view, he talked about um, the general FUD on Bitcoin. He addressed all the points. It was like a business presentation, like he was trying to sell America that they should use Bitcoin and Lightning. Hmm. And I, I kind of went, it's a little bit dishonest in a way, the way which he did it. He made it sound great from, you know, they don't want to miss out. But Bitcoin, if you, he was almost positioning that Bitcoin sits on top of the dollar. You know, like hmm. the dollar's like the solid, the sound money. Then you've got Bitcoin, which does all the technology. And it's like, if you let Bitcoin in your house, it's going to eat the dollar. You know, there's no two ways about that. Like, but the stuff which this guy's saying, like, every time which I see Jack Mallers, I'm just blown away how articulate, well thought out, and business savvy he is. And he's what in his twenties? Yes, I think he's fighting thirty now. I think he said in this video. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's. I mean, everything he says. Yeah, because he says. For the first 10 years of his life, he was learning how to walk and talk. <laughs> For the second 10 years of his life, he was learning how to what, like read. And and then for the next 10 years, he's just dedicated to Bitcoin. So for all of his adult life, he's been thinking and working in the Bitcoin space. And, and yeah, you're right. It was more of a, a pitch a pitch to America to say, let's not miss out on this opportunity. And you could replace the word America and put in any country when he was saying that. You know, ultimately, for the country that adopts Bitcoin, they are, they're they're priming themselves to be in a great position in the future. And if America listen to him, they won't. They, they won't. Of course, they won't. You know, they can stop the loss of their number one superpower status 
but of course they won't and the inevitable will happen they'll go to war and they'll lose and they will just go further and further downhill yeah that their final war that america will will have will, will be with themselves yeah well, i think that's happening though yeah slowly but surely yeah they're, well they're doing the divide and conquer but um it's yeah. gone too long and too hard. I think it's just yeah. been too divisive now. Well, eventually the divide and conquer fails, and the and the people galvanize, and then finally it's the proper civil war, which is mm. the people against the government, and that that's the mm. there and there the riots and stuff we see in France, we see in Venezuela, we see in Argentina. People aren't fighting about gender, and they're not fighting about left and right, not fighting about politicians. They're fighting about money. My money's fucking gone. Yeah. Where did it go? No matter what the media's pumped full of, of all these like um, divisive pieces, it is, you're absolutely right. Like France, they're having full on riots about the pension age. Yeah. And like, I think it's my, my um, mum was saying, oh, yeah, it's terrible. They're rioting. You know, we've got, we've got retirement at 67. I said, when you start paying the tax, they promised a certain age. They've got to stick to that. They can't balance their checkbook. It's not their problem. It's not the people's problem. It's a government's problem. They need to find that money. And she's like, mm. and I'm just like, it's a basic premise of tax. If they can't afford it, they need to learn how to budget and get rid of their waste and their top-heavy structure. Because they, they paid higher tax to have an earlier retirement. And now they go, ah, mm. oh, we got it wrong. You go, well, what do you mean you got it? Give me my money back now. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, it's it's and and eventually and guess what? Yeah, it's not going to be the first time. So this Jack Maller's interview, like obviously, yeah, I completely concur with with your comments. Like he is very well spoken. Always talks about Bitcoin fantastically. But what always turns me off is there's something about American Bitcoin Bitcoiners that they just have this hope that America is the greatest country in the world. Which how can you believe that they are? the terrorist organization of the world and the enslavers of the world. There's nothing great about that. They're the richest. Fine. I'll give you that. Did they get there through, through proper, nice, good means? Absolutely fucking not. They, nope. they got there through war. They got there through slavery. They got there through money printing. They got there through killing millions of people and stealing and st- natural stealing, resources from the Middle East. Stealing the world's gold as well, which paid for all yeah. the infrastructure. Yeah. Now yeah. 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 The foundation is stealing the gold. Shit. Yeah, they they literally yeah that and that's just a trick. They tricked Europe into giving them their gold, and then they leveraged it, and then they, they stole the Middle East's oil, and they've leveraged that, and then they forced people ever since through either murder or let us buy your natural resources with worthless bits of paper. But I think Americans are just very biased on that fact, and they can't quite see it. And they know their government is corrupt. They know they're not good, but they still think we're still the greatest, though. You guys, <laughs> it's, it's interesting you end up in that conclusion based on those first two points. And yeah. um, and he's going, you need to adopt Bitcoin, otherwise I'm going to leave. Da, da, da. And I just want to reach through the screen and grab Jack and go, just fucking leave already. Just the leave. Uh, the leave. US is the last place that is going to adopt Bitcoin because they have the most to lose. Because right now, they rule the world. The US dollar oh. is the global standard. And... They are going to do anything and everything to keep that mantle. They will, they'll only go on to Bitcoin when the dollar is truly lost. And it'll, by that time, it'll be too late for them to yeah. actually keep in their place. 
So yeah. you talk when the dollars collapsed and they're going like Argentina and China are quite clearly the yeah. leading country when people are trading and the one. Yeah, and, and, and even then, like the last fucking gun, the last F-19 they've got, they'll be fucking sending it up to bomb someone to go. America's yeah, still great, except the dollar. I think, it, yeah, I don't think they'll touch China, but I think they'll be going after like shitty countries like Panama, you know, just to prove the worth. Yeah, it will turn around where China will be helping stroke supporting the country in which they're fighting against. And uh, and we know that that could be in the case of, um, you know, Taiwan. What, what connection does the US have in protecting Taiwan? It's only, only really protecting them to protect itself from being that number one status and uh and i think that will definitely play out whether it's not taiwan it'll be another and then china will be yeah. on the opposing side because i always object to all this stuff about wars um and how america positioned itself saying how bad these countries are after what they've done for the last 50 mm. years what they've done like they've done some horrendous shit even going back further, if you go back to Japan at the end of the Second World War, horrendous. Go to Vietnam, Agent Orange, horrendous. And then all the Gulf Wars, um, Sudan, yeah. Panama, Ecuador. The list goes on on Chad's another country. Um, Yemen. Obama yeah. loved yeah. Yemen. He did. <laughs> loved bombing the shit out of it. <laughs> okay um so jack good luck with your plea for america to take on bitcoin and naturally we'll be watching and we'll be reporting back um i just can't ever see it though it's one of those where they'll just be and we were talking before air uh before going on air they're just of that boomer generation yeah. where they're not really ready to um, adopt any new technology or be told anything. It's, you know, they're the parents of this whole this whole thing. They, we, we know what works. I'm not interested in in that new coin that you've been talking about. That what that bit bit whatever. Yeah, you know? it's like it's like when I um I did that other podcast. I can't remember when it was now, probably two years ago. And it was with an American guy. And um, he asked me a good question, which I'd never really considered before. And I answered it on the fly. But it was, you, you seem to have like a dislike for American Bitcoin. It's like, why is this? And I didn't even realize, but he'd been through my tweets and I'd been having to go at some Americans. And I just went, I don't get it, right? Because Bitcoiners are so aligned. But there's something about Americans. They're very tied to their country. Mm. Whereas I think the rest of the world are a bit like, like, especially for me, I think maybe it's even more in the UK. I don't know, but I feel so unpatriotic. It's unreal. I just don't feel associated to virtually anyone on this rock. It's just, I just see, I associate with Bitcoiners. And if someone went, Oh, are you British, are you English? I just go, well, I suppose technically, but I don't associate with those flags. I don't associate with anything that is, is attached to that because I don't agree with the majority of the history that those flags represent. I go, I, I've been born in the last 
couple of decades in reality. Those flags go back hundreds of years, and I've got, I've got fucking nothing to do with that. I don't give a shit whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's nothing to do with me. And mm. whether it's good, and I don't care. I, I am my own person. And I can then, once you are your own person, you can, I think you're unbiased enough and like outside of the echo chamber for you to criticize or not and go, do I agree with my country? But, and I, and I found that with a lot of Bitcoiners around the world, they're all very similar. They can disassociate themselves with the flag that they were, of the country they were born in. The only group that seemed to be tied to their flag and still think that their country is the greatest was Americans. There's something weird about it. They really seem to get properly brainwashed as children. Just well, to well they do. I was, I was just thinking that exactly that. You know, they they are made to sing the national anthem as kids from a young age, and America is great. When you go around the the towns and the cities, it's not unusual to see the American flag in the garden. On a, on a flag and a pole. So it, it's just normal for them. Absolutely normal. Well, we, we're made to sing the um, National Anthem in the UK from a young age. However, we're also um, made to hate the um, St. George's Cross because it's um, so much racist use. And racists mm. do use the American flag as well, but they don't... Um, they don't single it out, do they? So, like, we've probably got things a little bit wrong in the UK, in that they should should kind of like separate it in order to brainwash the public, but we don't for some mm-hmm. weird reason. Yeah, they made they made a fuck up there, didn't they? If if you see someone waving the English flag outside their window, or or the, um, British flag, <laughs> yeah, the British flag, British flag as well, be the case. Like, that should just be oh, that's someone that's proud to be English, but it's like racist. <laughs> why yeah, why they... is the English flag equal racist? It's actually quite funny because that's the opposite of what they intended yeah and it's like um the british flag as well the only the only time which you can have those flags out is a coronation or some other public event otherwise you're not allowed them out because you're a racist (laughs) (laughs) um and the welsh they don't really care they just wave their flag everywhere and no one calls them anything so they just don't care Mm. that fucking cartoon dragon on it who gives a shit (laughs) <laughs> you saying it's not real <laughs> I'm sure some prince killed a dragon at some point yeah and then he got noshed off by a unicorn <laughs> how did I know that it was going to go along those lines <laughs> uh, anyway boys we got the last story of the week it's just, it's just a nice um, it kind of ties it all together I think really it's just a clip from the big short and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's yeah, it's it's a great clip. I'll play it. Stop that, Charlie! Stop it! Stop! What? Do you have any idea what you just did? Well, come on, we just made the deal of our lifetimes. We should celebrate. We just bet against the American economy. Fuck yeah, we did. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Which means? Oh. Which means <laughs> if we're right. If we're right, people lose homes, people lose jobs, people lose retirement savings, people lose pensions. You know what I hate about fucking banking? It reduces people to numbers. Here's a number. Every 1% unemployment goes up, 40,000 people die. Did you know that? No. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. We were just excited. 
just don't fucking dance. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's awesome, right? Because I think it is. It just reminds us to be humble, right? Because you know they're celebrating the financial collapse. They've got their betting. They know the the housing market's going to collapse, and they're just being reminded that you do realize what happens when the financial and the housing market collapses. You know, millions of people die. Uh, well, millions of people are going to be unhomed, and tens of thousands of people are going to die. <laughs> and it's the same thing when the banking collapse happens this time, and and fiat collapses, and Bitcoin wins. There's going to be a lot of heartache. There's going to be a lot of people homeless. A lot of people skin. A lot of people are going to die. So it's it's one of them where then we need to try and be humble and just not sing and dance as we walk out the casino after putting the belt on. Uh, we should just walk out quietly and be like. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Almost certain people who would be like, "I told you so." Yeah, I, I do. I do think there's definitely a point to go to walk over to certain people and just give them the finger and walk out. But the the problem is there's a lot of um there's there's just a lot of just hardworking normal people that are going to get fucked by all this. So as much as we're going to get proven right and we're going to end up being wealthy at the end of it, it it's still sad. There's a lot of people who can get fucked. So as much as there's going to be some people, you can go, fuck you, you deserve this. Mm. There's a huge ma- majority of people in the middle that were just working hard, trying to fucking earn money and trying to do the safe, secure thing and doing everything they were told and they're going to lose everything and it's sad. And also unaware of what's going on, like totally unaware. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we're fortunate enough to have had each other and talking about what's going on, but you could have you literally could have said oh by the way this is going on and this and maybe listen to this podcast maybe pick up this book no I'm not interested and by the time they actually are or not still it's too late yeah and and the, the problem is like the majority didn't even get that no yeah no, there's, there's probably like two percent of those people got someone like me and you going, read this, read that, and then they ignored us. So you can kind of go, well, mm. we kind of tried to help you, right? But 98% of that majority in the middle didn't even get that. All they got was the mainstream finance news, which was the banks are safe and secure, Bitcoin is dangerous, mortgages are great, as slow a deposit as possible, lever yeah. yourself up to the hill, work as long as you can, pensions are safe, all this stuff, right? And then when that stuff collapses, they're just going to be left there going, what the fuck? Like, I picked the safe route. The mm. dangerous option was investing. The dangerous option was to buy Bitcoin. The safe option was to do what I did, which was to pay in 10 20% of my salary into a pension, to work until I'm 65, to pay off my, my mortgage, and they're going to get to the end and it's all going to collapse and it's going to be sad for them. But, um, but Hey, it, you know, all, all we can do is keep talking about Bitcoin and try and save as many people as we can. Watch the clip. This is our bit for, um, the community, for friends, family, anyone that's listening and watching. It's been brought to you by Mr. Orlin, AKA the trillion dollar man. Also, Dr. Evil 10%, a.k.a. The People's Champ, myself, Sir Neverlook, a.k.a. The Excellence of Execution. And she was here, but she wasn't here. And yes, our ESG score is cemented.
with the fact that Mrs. No Show is kind of in the show notes. But once again, we'll be back for next week with pod number 98 as we move on to the century. But for now, peace.